Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Great to have you here. Hope you're doing well. Hope life is uh, treating you good wherever you are in the world. Got a great show for you today, my friends. But before we get into that, hey, I want to remind you that we are offering a limited number of coaching spots available right now. So if you're someone who's like, man, I, it's 2015, it's a new year, new me, I need to do some things differently. Maybe you need to kick in the pants with life, with your business, with starting a business, with making a career transition, maybe with getting into speaking, maybe starting a podcast. What do you need help with? Because I think we can help you. So you can do this. If you are interested at all, we, again, we got a limited number of spots. Several of them are already gone. But if you are interested for a limited time, we can offer some of these coaching spots. So check out grantbaldon.com slash coaching. Again, that's grantbaldon.com slash coaching. And you can get some more information there if you are looking for some coaching help as we get started in 2015. All right, let's get into today's interview. We got my friend David Molnar, who is a photographer of the stars. He's a celebrity photographer. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what we'll call him. He does different commercials and products, as well as album covers for bands and musicians and artists. Really good stuff, really good story. I love how he got into what he's doing today. What he's doing today is a glamorous, sexy job, but how he got into it is not not at all. So excited to share his story and journey. So let's get into it, my friends. Here's my interview with David Molnar. Enjoy. All right, what is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my friend David Molnar, who is a photographer extraordinaire and excited to get into his story and journey. So David, what is up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Grant? Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to, to chat today. It's going to be fun. So uh, yeah. you are a photographer, but not you're not just like shooting random stuff. I mean, but you're kind of a bigwig photographer. So you shoot album covers and advertisements and in the music industry. So what all are you involved in the photography world? Oh, well, I, I guess you kind of hit the nail on the button. I, you know, I photograph a lot of album covers and advertisements and stuff. And, you know, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's kind of, you know, known as Music City. So there's just lots and lots of music and opportunities there. And I, I mean, I kind of always wanted to photograph music and, and that's, you know, I ended up in Nashville and, and that's what I end up doing a whole lot of. When it comes to photography, I mean, obviously you could you could photograph anything. So you know, portraits or senior pictures or family pictures or. I thought about uh, specializing in raccoon photography for a I while. I like it. I just, I, yeah, the, it was just so niche, you know. Like I just, you know, I don't know. There's didn't a work. there's a point where you're too niche on some things. <laughs> so what what is it about the music industry? What is it that kind of drew you to that? That had you fascinated with it? Well, I mean, I think. It seems like all of us love music, or at least if you have a heart, you do. Uh, and, and, you know, growing up, I, I just always thought it was really cool, you know, seeing the album covers and just, you know, different live photos and all these different things. But I didn't think I would pursue it as a career. Actually, early on, I thought I would be a surfing photographer because I grew up on the coast of North Carolina. And oh, cool. I mean, I grew up staring at surf magazines my whole life. So I was like, man, that'd be so cool to travel to all these exotic, you know, foreign places and photograph you know beautiful landscapes and surf the whole time and all this and that and i realized there was you know it was kind of like raccoon photography it's really hard to make a living photographing raccoons or surfers <laughs> so anyways my wife before she was my wife well she was in the music industry and the business side and i ended up you know we actually met through i wanted to photograph this concert of my favorite band and she, you know, we had a mutual friend and they introduced, our mutual friend introduced us and my wife, before she was my wife, before I even knew her, set me up to photograph my favorite band. And my first conversations with my wife were 
you know, uh, trying to get into this first concert. And honestly, I, you know, fell in love with this girl and she ended up moving from Texas to Nashville. And a few months later, I proposed to her and moved to Nashville myself just for the winter, though. You know, um, I was just going to, you know, move to, I was 21 years old. I was going to, you know, come maybe take some photos, maybe work at Starbucks. I don't know. And nine years later, here I am. Nothing like a girl to mess up your plans. I know. In a good way, in a bad way. Oh, wonderful. wonderful. So you growing up, you wanted to do the surfing photography. Was it always just something like kind of a pipe dream? It was like, well, that'd be kind of cool. Because I mean, like when we're growing up, we're all looking at, you know, you're looking at magazines and like, man, that'd be cool to do this thing or that thing. You're watching TV or or whatever. But at what point was it kind of like, no, I I think this is actually something I want to pursue? Well, it was always like a pipeline dream. Anyone? No one? Okay. Yeah, no. I got sir, sir, you got it, North Shore Pipeline? <laughs> right, sorry. sorry, I'm a dad. We've got a big Hawaii uh, contingency. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if I rewind a little bit more, to be honest, well, A, I did grow up looking at surf magazines. I loved it, and I always thought that would be so cool. But growing up, growing up, um, I thought I was going to be a pilot. And I was actually working to get my pilot's license in high school, and I did. I got my pilot's license right before my, right at the beginning of my senior year of high school. And I thought that was, you know, the route I was going to go, be like an airline pilot. And then after that, I mean, I could, you know, tell a whole story about how I got in this accident, this car accident, and it changed my life and kind of made me do this 180 degree U-turn. But I decided to pursue photography at that point, And I thought it was going to be surfing photography. So there was like a year or two period where I was like, okay, I'm going to pursue surfing photography. And it just kind of morphed into this Nashville music photography thing. And, and I love it. I'm so thankful for it. You, well, you can't brush over the accident story. Tell us about that. Well, so <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess it is a very, it's a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was 18 years old and, you know, a few months into my senior year is actually a, just about a month after I finally, you know, after working for, you know, eight or nine months, got my pilot's license, got my pilot's license in November and the December 24th, Christmas Eve, I got in this tragic car accident. But before I tell you about the car accident, I do have to rewind a second. I've been doing lots of rewinding. And you're, you're leaving us hanging on this story. That's going to be know. good. I know. So, I, you know, like I said, I was a surfer and I wasn't really a jock. I wasn't really, you know, one of those like, I'm a football player type guys. Because that's but how they I, talk. <laughs> yes, exactly how they talk. And now I almost regret it. I'm like, man, it would have been fun to play football because I've seen Friday Night Lights and, you know, to be Tim Riggins would be awesome. I mean, just saying. <laughs> well, without some of the drama. Anyways, I got into wrestling because it's really boring on the little island that I grew up. And that was like what I did during the winter. And I got really, honestly, I got good at it. And I got, you know, I really invested myself into training and working really hard. And at the time, you know, my family wasn't super wealthy or anything. So that was kind of my ticket to get, you know, out of this small town off the little island that I knew I needed to leave. You know, I mean, a lot of us can relate to having that small town where we feel like, you know, what if we stay here, we're just going to stay and work in the you know, the coal mine or whatever. For me, you know, it was, you know, have a restaurant job or a construction job, which is totally fine, but that's just not what I wanted to do with my life. Right. So, you know, wrestling became this, like, this ticket out of the town, and I started getting interest from different colleges and potential scholarship offers on the table, and it was like, okay, you know, I could leave, I could go to college and have it paid for and not, like, be a massive inconvenience to my parents, and then pursue my dream of being a professional pilot because you, you know, to be an airline pilot, you need to have that check on the list to have that college degree. It doesn't even matter what it, it could be an art degree. You just got to have a, you know, bachelor's degree. So anyways, my senior year of wrestling uh, or senior year of high school, you know, this is like who I am. I'm a pilot and I'm, uh, 
potentially going to win the state championship for wrestling. I was undefeated my senior year and it's a four month season and I was exactly halfway through it on Christmas Eve. So then I'm driving to go Christmas shopping for the first time because it's the first free moment that I have and a car, you know, with one buddy I'm driving and this car gets sideswiped, you know, five lanes over. I'm in the slow lane on one side of a five lane road. You know, the center lane is the turning lane. Yeah. And this car gets swiped over from, you know, four or five lanes over going the opposite direction. So, and then it comes over and hits me head on. We're both going over 60 miles per hour. Wow. I didn't even know what happened. Like I was just driving, talking with my friend in the slow lane, you know, going 60 miles per hour in a 55. And then I woke up in the hospital. Wow. Yeah. And the funny story is I talked with a guy that actually went to my church that apparently was driving behind us a few cars. I didn't know it. And he said that he stopped and, you know, looked in our car and was like, oh my gosh, they're dead. I'm going to go and see if the other person is alive. Because he was thoroughly convinced that both myself and my my buddy that I was driving with were dead, you know, because wow. I was driving this, you know, 1981 mustard yellow Volvo station wagon. I mean, the car was older than me. I used to say, my car can buy beer. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> that car, I think, probably saved my life because the practically the bumper was in my knee. Wow. Not literally, but very close to it. Right. And those Volvos are a tank, you know? They're <laughs> tanks. So long story short, you know, I woke up in the hospital and I had to have a couple different knee surgeries and I watched the rest of my undefeated senior year of wrestling, you know, everything I had worked my butt off for four years, you know, my ticket out of the town, like my dreams, all, all the hopes and dreams an 18 year old could have were essentially crushed when I woke up and, you know, softened a little bit by the morphine, but not very much. <laughs> um, that always helps you. Yeah. So I watched the rest of my senior year in a wheelchair and watched the guy that I beat win the state championship. Wow. So crushed. I, went through this, you know, season of like, what the heck am I doing with my life and all these different things and ended up going to this nonprofit organization to volunteer for a year to kind of like have a reset and be like, I need to figure out what I'm going to do now. Yeah. Are my dreams of being a pilot over? I really don't know. Not that I still couldn't go to college, but I mean, I'd gotten accepted into a lot of them, but my scholarship options were all off the table. So it just changed my life significantly, and I was you know, in a pretty dark period. Well, while I was there at that nonprofit, they put on all these youth events. I got really encouraged in my hobby, which was photography. You know, in high school, I took classes, and I enjoyed it, and I got encouraged, and I was good at it, but I never considered this was like what I was going to do. Right. So I got really encouraged during that year of being at this nonprofit and got to take photos with them, travel around the country a little bit. And during that year, you know, I met my wife who also was, well, I was doing an internship and she was working for the nonprofit. So that was a little bit scandalous because, you know, it's like this Christian <laughs> nonprofit organization and she's this like four-year-older staff member and I'm this like little intern, you know, and people are like, were you dating? Because we I wasn't supposed to date during the internship. Mm, Anyways, yeah. This yeah. is a true Hollywood story right now. Totally, <laughs> totally got, got a cougar and she's hot. Anyways, uh so yeah, uh, and then you know the part about me, you know, following my wife Tammy to Nashville, and and you know when I got to Nashville, it, it was quite the journey as well. It wasn't like all of a sudden because I'm here and I have a camera that all these doors opened up. So whenever you get to, you want to do photography, you decide, you know, you have to head out to Nashville. Where do you even begin? Of I got this thing. A few people have said I'm good at it. I think I'm good at it. I think I could make a career. Like where do you even start to generate some business? Whew. Well, quite frankly, for me. I just didn't really have much going on and I didn't know a lot of people in Nashville. 
I know a gazillion people in Nashville now, but I'm a kind of a extrovert, or at least I can be. Is there a gazillion um, people there? There is a gazillion. Well, there's, you know, it's funny. I moved here and I think there was like a million people or just under a million. And now there's like 1.3 or 1.4. So it's, it's getting gazillions. We're getting, we're getting there. But what's so cool about Nashville and you need to move here ASAP Grant, but um, I'm trying, what's so cool I'm trying. about Nashville is that it's like, it's like this big town, you know, like I said, there's over a million people here, but you know, I go to my favorite coffee shops or one of my, you know, restaurants where I'm just out walking in the park and I just see friends that I'm not expecting to see, or you run into old acquaintances or whatever. It's just one of those places where it's just like, everyone knows everyone. It seems like, and people are genuinely nice. You know, it's a really cool town. I'm in, sign me up. Sounds awesome. What was I talking about? So (laughs) how do you get, how do you get going in photography in a new, or any, like any type of business in a new place where it's like, I got this skill set. I think I'm good at it, but like having a skill set that I think I'm good at to actually like making a living at it is like night and days. Where do you even begin? Absolutely. It's a great question, Grant. You know, it honestly, it's a series of, it's a series of, I should write, you know, a book about this or something, but it's a series of steps. And or stepping blocks, you know, one thing leads to another. And and I'll explain, you know, for me, you know, everyone's story is going to be a little bit different. But I started assisting photographers, I, you know, I scrambled to, you know, utilize what any, you know, maximize any of the connections that I did have, you know, thus far in Nashville. And I got in with one photographer by like being very persistent, you know, like I had to call her like three, four or five times, email her a bunch. and, And finally, one day, I like, I called and her assistant picked up and was like, and I was like, hey, I'd love to, you know, meet you and see if there I can help out or whatever. And then she's like, hey, what are you doing right now? I'm like, nothing. She's like, what kind of car do you have? And I was like, I have a Toyota 4Runner. Can you carry equipment? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, be at the studio in 30 minutes. And I'm like, throwing clothes on and like bolt down <laughs> in the studio. And we're photographing some famous country, you know, music artist. I don't remember who she was. Maybe she was famous for a day. I'm not sure. <laughs> and that's how I got in is by being available and like, and being very persistent. So I got into this assisting realm and that's when I really discovered this level of photography that I didn't really understand or comprehend before. Um, you know, it's like a Hollywood set where there's, I mean, I was like the fourth assistant and then there was like a couple of makeup and hair stylists and then there was a wardrobe stylist and there was, you know, art directors from the record label. There was like the A&R guy. There was, of course, the photographer. And then there was, you know, art directors and and then like set prop stylists. And it was just like this massive set of like 20 plus people. It's legit. All all to take like a photo. And I was like, oh, this is. (laughs) There's a lot to it. Wow. Okay. And so it's, it started intriguing. I met some assistants that day and, and I just worked my butt off. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it hasn't been a lot of really hard work because I've truly worked very hard. But I, I mean, I was, you know, 21 years old and I was carrying sandbags and lighting stands and all these different things and soaking up a ton of knowledge all while doing that. And these assistants that were on the shoot, they, you know, they took a liking to me. I did my best to work my butt off and help them out and do whatever I could. And I ended up getting thrown on all these other shoots. So like I said, that was like my first stepping stone. I was available and I was persistent. And it wasn't like called or knocked on a door and said, hey, can I come and assist you? Or can you pay me? Or whatever it was. And they said, oh, not right now. Or sorry, I don't have any options. It wasn't like, oh, okay, that door closed. I guess I'm not supposed to be a photographer. Right. No. I freaking knocked on that door 
like I think 10 times before it finally opened. And it was like a per chance thing that like they were shooting that day and they needed an extra hand to, you know, drive equipment from point A to point B or something. Yeah. And that's one thing we talk a lot about on the show is that, you know, oftentimes we look at where someone is today, you know, and, and their role and their job and what they're doing. And it's like, man, you're David Mullen. You need to take pictures of celebrities. You know, how cool is that? But it's like, yeah, that's where you are today, but you got to rewind and go back. And like, how did you get into that? Well, you started by carrying sandbags. Like nobody saw that. Nobody knew about that. But like, that's <laughs> yeah. the crap you got to do in order to like build up your career. So, you know, on the, on the A to Z spectrum, we look at Z because Z is sexy. You know, that's the yeah. cool part. That's the glamorous part. You get to push the button on the camera and take pretty pictures. But like, you don't <laughs> see A and B and C of just like on standby waiting for the call and knocking on the doors and carrying sandbags and lugging stuff around. That's not glamorous. That's not sexy at all but that's like that's the kind of hustle you have to have in order to make the thing happen long term absolutely you're 100% right it was hustle and honestly I don't think I've ever stopped hustling so even like when you're carrying around like the sandbags and like that first like just being on like a legit set one of those first times isn't immediately like this is it I've got to do this I've got to be the one that can push the button How, how do I actually make this happen was it an immediate connection for you you know, I think it was whether or not I really like had decided there and in and, and that moment, like I want to do this, meaning I want to do this on this scale. I think I just, my eye, it was like the veil had been lifted and it's like, oh, this is how they take like album covers and this is how they do magazines, you know, covers and, you know, DVD posters. This is how they do it. And not that I knew it all at that moment, but I was like, this is what it takes, you know, yeah. I, you know, cause before that, I mean, you know, all I had been exposed to was, you know, some low budget weddings, you know, like wedding photography and, you know, some portraits for friends and stuff and all that stuff is great. And anyways, but this was a whole nother level, you know, this side of the commercial photography was like, whoa. So I, and answer your question, I don't know if I had like decided and said, man, this is exactly what I want to do on that day, but it was shortly thereafter, if not. So where do you go from there of going, carrying sandbags, being on set, like, okay, I like this, but I got to eventually be on the other, I got to be able to one that can take the pictures and, and just kind of move my way up and kind of get in with this. And, you know, obviously, especially in a city like Nashville, I'm assuming there's a lot of photographers, there's a lot of competition. uh, And, you know, sure, there's a lot of artists and a lot of people that need their picture taken. But at the same time, I mean, that's, it's a competitive world. So how do you begin to build a name for yourself in a crowded space? Well, there, it's definitely a, a, um, a crowded space and definitely competitive. Thankfully, it's not, you know, super cutthroat like, you know, maybe New York or L.A. would be. But right. like people are so nice here. Like I'm buddies with, you know, all my, you know, my competitors. I want to say, yeah, competitors. Right. And, you know, anyways, and we're like cheering each other on. Like it's funny the other day. This is a side tangent. I think it was a couple months ago. Myself and two of my dear friends in Nashville that are also commercial photographers a guy named Jeremy Cower and a guy named David Bean. I share a studio actually with David. We were all up to photograph the cover of Rolling Stone wow. for a guy, a guy named Jack White. And um, he's the, like the white stripes and all this stuff. And it's funny because the person, like our contact, I think it was like Rolling Stone Germany or something, you know, but it's still a cover of Rolling still, Stone. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all three of us and some other guy from New York or something was up for it. And Jack, I think, lives in Nashville. So it kind of would have made more sense for one of us to photograph him. Anyways, we're all like, man, you know, like I'm up for, you know, because for some reason we found out that each other was up for the gig and we were like, oh, I wonder who's going to get it. You know, like this would be so cool. We we're like, you know, essentially cheering each other on. And then we found out that like none of us, like I didn't get it. Did you get it? Like, no, like, n- n- like, 
none of us got it. And like the guy from New York, I guess, you know, had got the shoot or something like that. But we're all like, we're all like literally cheering each other on. Like I would have been stoked if my buddy Jeremy or David had gotten it, you know, and they would have been equally stoked for me. Anyways, that's, it's a nice town. It's not super cutthroat. But you asked the question, like, where do you go from there? Okay. So uh, unfortunately it's more unsexiness. You know, I spent two years, you know, starting then at that moment when I first assisted on that shoot you know, assisting other photographers, you know, around Nashville. So I assisted, you know, some of the greatest Nashville commercial photographers, and there's some really good ones out there. And then, you know, people would come in from New York and LA, and it's like that, you know, that stepping stones where one thing would lead to another, and I kept on getting on these different photo shoots. And I started, you know, paying some bills because assisting wasn't, you know, it was maybe free at first or low pay, and then it started actually getting pretty decent, you know, decent pay. Their day rates, of course. But it would be one stepping stone to the other stepping stone. But here's the thing. For those two years, I wasn't building my portfolio. I wasn't really technically making connections with like record labels and all those things. Because when you're an assistant, you're an assistant. You're not right. like – you can't be promoting yourself or trying to like encroach on someone else's territory. You've got to – you know, you've got to – essentially be an assistant in that type of environment. Right. Well, I think that's the case in a lot. Like you just have to respect the role that you're in, you know? Yeah. I can't, you're not going to go out and snake someone's clients right. that's yep. paying your bills, you know? And it doesn't, you know, they might, the clients could probably care less about you anyway because there's a thousand, you know, intern uh, assistants. So at some point, I've been trying to build my portfolio in the background all these years of, uh, you know, doing photo shoots, doing free photo shoots for friends who are band members or an indie artist or something like that. And, you know, and telling them, hey, don't tell anyone this rate I'm giving you, you know, Uh, because if you do that, if you say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you this discount, or I'm going to do this for free for you, but don't tell anyone, it actually makes them feel special. And it makes them feel like they want to be a walking, talking billboard for your business. Right, right. And so when you do that, they're going to go tell their friends like, oh, I got these amazing photos by David, but you probably can't afford them. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, I mean, maybe they're not jerks about it, but right. when someone tells you that, it's like, oh yeah, I bet I can, you know, like it's almost right. like a challenge, right? You're intrigued. Yeah, you're intrigued. So by helping people, you know, that was another huge part to this, how one stepping stone leads to another one. By helping people, you know, one thing led to another thing to another thing. And these are all like, say, free things starting out. And then eventually, you know, the portfolio starts looking good and someone stumbles upon you on Google or something or from a friend of a friend and they actually start paying you. So then it's led to that first stepping stone of like, I'm making barely any money, but at least it's some money. How long did it take to get to that first stepping stone of you're assisting, assisting, assisting before someone comes calling for you? Well, I don't know. I I don't know the exact timeline. I should probably look back and try to figure out when, but somewhere probably in that time of assisting I started getting a few, you know, low paid shoots, but I wasn't talking about that, you know, while I was assisting, I was keeping that like completely separate, more in the background. I wasn't really trying to emerge as a photographer yet. I was really just trying to learn. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's wise. If you can pay the bills and like learn and be respectful, let's say in the commercial photography industry, maybe portraits and weddings and stuff like that is a little bit different, but I I imagine it's probably the same thing because photographers don't really want you to step on their turf, you know, if they feel threatened, they're not going to want to keep on hiring you as an assistant. And that probably goes for any industry, really. But more along those lines, I, I got paid for the first time. So I don't know if it was like a year or a few months or, or something like that. But I think there was probably a good amount of time where I wasn't even trying to photograph. I was just trying to learn and pay bills. Yeah, and I think that's a great lesson there. Like you said, of just sometimes it's important to just learn the business, put your head down, get your work done. And like, let's be honest, like if those first few months, you would have loved to have been taking the pictures, but there's sometimes where it's like looking back now, 
you probably, if you're being honest, probably like, I don't, I don't think I would have even been ready for it, you know? Oh, absolutely so, And I know yeah. for myself, like as a speaker, when I first got started, there's events where like, oh, I'd love to do that. But then like looking back now, having done those events, I'd be like, I would have never been ready at that point in my career to, you know, to be at that level. And so, yeah, you need some of that of just going through the trenches of it, just trying to like figure it out and learn about the business and understand your craft and what it is that you're doing to become really, really good at it before you can be able to play at a, just a higher level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you know, in retrospect, I wasn't ready back then anyway. And it was so good. Honestly, I, like, you know, from watching, in my opinion, some of the world's best photographers create scenes, create photographs, create, you know, timeless pictures. Like that was some of the best experience I could have ever gotten. And I'm so thankful that I wasn't trying to go and do my own thing really at that moment. So, you know, I don't know exactly how long it took before I, you know, really started getting paid or started getting my first paid gigs. But I know that after about two years, I was kind of building this wedding photography business on the side, even though it wasn't really what I wanted to do ultimately. But it was one of those things where I felt like that was what I was supposed to do to start supporting my family. So that was completely different than the commercial side. It was branded separately and all these types of things. And at some point, I had to say, you know what, I'm going to burn the ships. And I'm going to step away. I have enough stepping stones now and enough experience to where maybe I haven't arrived, but I can start figuring it out. So I, at some point, somewhere around two years after uh, assisting, I had to burn the ships and start saying, I'm going to do this. And that's when I started really hustling, trying to get you know commercial gigs. And that was when the stepping stones started happening and speeding up faster and faster and faster. And what were the proverbial ships you were burning? By literally telling the photographers that I was assisting, hey, I'm no longer assisting anymore. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, I'm still on great terms with all those people. Like they love me. And I love right, 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 right. But, it, you know, I had to say, listen, you know, I'm going to, you know, transition and, and be a photographer now. How, how, um, did, how did you know you were at that point? Because I think there's a lot of people that may be listening that may be at a similar spot where things are, you know, maybe their system, maybe they're working behind the scenes, whether it's photography or whatever the thing is, and it's starting to gain a little bit of traction and they see the potential path of travel. And they're kind of at a point where it's like, you're either going to sink or swim. So how did you know for you, it was the right time to take that leap? Oh, man, this is probably seven years ago now. So I'm trying to remember like the exact circumstances. It was probably because like fast uh, forward to today. I mean, you could have just as easily still been assisting if you didn't at some point pull the ripcord and like, I, I got to jump, you know, I got to yeah. have to give this a shot. So yeah, I guess it's, there's always that challenge of how do you know when is the right time of going from the known to the unknown? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think through how I should word this or how I should, you know, say this other than the fact that I just knew maybe that is the answer. Maybe I just knew it was the right time or maybe there was an opportunity that presented itself that gave me enough confidence to think, you know what? I need to focus more on this, you know, that's like Pareto's law, the 80, 20 principle or something, you know, like fire your bad clients and go for your good ones. Maybe I got a good gig finally. And, and I, even though it wasn't enough to like justify like me quitting for the rest of the year or something, it was maybe encouraging enough to say, you know what, I need to pursue this. So I don't remember exactly what that gig is. I'm sorry. Or that moment, but I think it was just a culmination of multiple things where I was like, this is the time. Now I want to give you a warning and say, cause there's going to be a lot of people that are, are going to say, well, I, I still feel like a fake. I still feel like I'm not I can't do this. Or like I, if I went out professionally now, I'd be, you know, pretending to be a fake. And can I be perfectly honest and vulnerable here? Preferably. Um, <laughs> preferably. You know what? We all feel like a fake. I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm photographing. Well, I will say this. 
Malcolm Gladwell in the book Outliers, which I still have not read, but a thousand of my friends reference it, and I reference it as if I've read it, but said, you know, the 10,000-hour rule where, you know, yep. you're not truly, I guess, an expert at something or amazing at it or something until 10,000 hours. I should probably read the book so I don't sound like an idiot. But <laughs> Close enough. I really, yeah, I really think it's true. I probably put in, you know, my 10,000 hours at this point, and and I can say I finally do feel really confident. Like I don't get super nervous, it's, you know, before a shoot anymore. But fast forward to let's say three years ago, I'm already I'm photographing album covers that millions and millions of people are going to see. I mean, and I don't say that lightly. Billboard advertisements that you know are in New York or on sides of buses and these different places. Right. And I don't say that to brag, but I say that to say I woke up that morning thinking I am a failure and I can't do this, and they're going to find out that I'm faking it. Right. And the truth is, I was faking it, I guess, you know, I was, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is like that self doubt isn't going to go away for a long time, at least it didn't for me. And you have to push through that resistance and just, you know, do your best anyway. And, you know, I love this idea of one of my old friends, Jordan Gross, uh, introduced me to this idea of waking up and doing your best to amaze yourself every single day. Uh, what does that mean to amaze yourself? Well, that means waking up and doing something that you didn't think you could do. Yeah. And when you do that, when you do something that you don't think you could do, whether it's write a book or a blog post or, you know, I don't know, be somewhere on time. I'm not sure, whatever it is. You know, maybe it's take a photo or learn a new technique or do a speaking gig, you know, that you're deathly afraid of. When you do that, it builds this confidence in you that like a little bit a little bit more that that you can start tackling anything, that you can figure it out. And that's a really important thing to do to be able to do. So in the early years, I started, you know, doing these things that I didn't think I could do, doing this photo shoot that I didn't think I could do or accomplishing this thing or, you know, whatever it was, and that started building this like vocabulary of overcoming odds. And I like just went on a total tangent there. But as you do that more and more, you'll start to realize, you know what? I don't know how to do this. I'm scared to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to figure it out. Because so many people are deathly ill that they won't figure it out. And like, I promise you, if you, you know, have, if you've put in your hours, you've been learning things, you know, like for photography, for instance, like I, I did spend years like learning it. And I'd be deathly afraid to, you know, photograph this album cover or whatever it was. But I'm like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to show up in the morning at my studio and I'm going to figure this out. And then when you figure it out and you amaze yourself, like next time it makes it just that little bit easier. And you start building this, you know, this, this confidence that you can. So now it's like someone asks me to do something and I'm like, I have no idea how to do that. But sure, let's do it. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and I don't tell them that specifically, but internally. Yeah, internally, but I, I don't have this like this internal like agony anymore where I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm a fake, I'm a fake. I'm like, yeah, but I know that I can figure it out and produce something amazing. Right. Um, that didn't happen in the first you know few years. That took the 10,000 hours to reach that confidence. It took those building blocks along the way of one thing leading to another thing. You know, carrying lots of sandbags and seeing things happen and then finally getting my own shoots, but they're free. And then finally getting, you know, photo shoots that were paid and then finally getting, you know, a big break with a band that says, hey, we want you to reshoot this picture because we have a new band member. This is not an album cover. This is not any big shoot. This is a little shoot. We're going to give you a chance. 
And if you do a good job, we'll see where that goes from there. Yeah. So I went and I poured my heart into this. This is in the early years, right? Where I'm like, I'm getting a chance to photograph this band. It's not much money, but it's like, could be really great exposure and really good opportunity. So I like did everything I possibly could, poured my heart into it and, you know, took some great photos. Well, that band, you know, six months later or whatever it was that they're actually doing their album cover, their big photo shoot. It was a band called Skillet. They're in the rock, Christian rock industry and yeah. mainstream rock. And they, um, you know, they let me photograph their album cover. And it was a big budget shoot at the time. I was like, I have arrived. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, but I was also, you know, deathly scared of it as well. Sure. And then that album went on to sell over a million records. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's hard to do that, and you know, unless you're Taylor Swift these days. And especially in the Christian music industry, no one does that. And sure. I guess they're kind of in the mainstream industry as well, but. And then, you know, that was like one of those things where it looks like, oh, you just got to photograph Skillet real quick. And then all of a sudden, like all these other bands like that maybe looked up to them or respected or whatever it was, all these other things started falling in place. And right after I photographed that band, I had like all these other bands that I photographed the same year. And all of a sudden I had this killer portfolio of, you know, of all these, you know, album covers and things. But what people don't know is the story that I just told you of how that was, you know, four or five in four or five years into like you know, working my butt off and carrying sandbags. Yeah. And I think that's a great summary there of it looks cool whenever you can take a picture on an album cover that it's seen by millions, but that doesn't happen unless you carry sandbags and nobody's paying attention and nobody's patting you on the back and nobody cares at that point. But that yeah. like whatever that thing is, you know, again, whether it's photography or videography or, or a blog or whatever, you start somewhere and figure it out as you go. And then oftentimes, sometimes the, the pieces all come together and it, it tends to work out. So, hey, if we want to find out more about you, if we want to find out more on your site, just check out some of these pictures and album covers. In addition, you've also got this new ebook that I've personally have checked out that I really, really dig that people want to take pictures. But like for me, like my wife and I, like we like taking pictures, but I'm no David Molnar. So how do I, my nicest camera is my iPhone. So how do I take some better pictures? So tell us about the tool that you've got for that. Oh yeah, for sure. So <laughs> I started realizing a few years ago, especially when I started having, when we had our first kid that, you know, as much as I loved my professional equipment, I didn't have it with me all the time, especially when, you know, life's amazing moments would happen when this unexpected glorious sunrise would happen or when my kid took his first steps or just, you name the amazing moment that would kind of slowly slip away if it's not documented. Most of us aren't professional photographers, or at least if we are, we don't have a professional camera with us hanging on our hip at all times. Right. Uh, at least I didn't. But what I did have was the same phone that you have. Uh, you know, I had an iPhone in my pocket. So long story short, I started, I, mean, I spent a couple years um, figuring out how to take all the, you know, the principles and lessons and that I learned in my professional career and, you know, translating them into iPhone photography. And I wrote this book called iPhone Only Photography. And it's, it's really to teach anyone how to take amazing iPhone photos every single time. And in fact, I'd love to give away a copy to any of your listeners if, if that sounds like a good thing to you. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a shorter version of the condensed version of the book and I, you know, it has the first couple chapters and it teaches you, you know, some of my best tricks for, you know, shooting and some of my best tricks for storytelling, for composing a story. And I'd love to give that away to you guys. I'll put it up at davidmolnar.com forward slash grant. And then anyone that goes there can get a free copy of it. Beautiful. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, definitely people will uh, stop by and check that out. So David, thanks for sharing the uh, story and journey and time with us, man. We'll definitely check out the pictures and the uh, iPhone only photography book and support you in what you're doing. So we will uh, catch yeah. up with you soon, buddy. Thanks, Grant. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed chatting. And yeah, thanks so much. Get Good to stuff. Nashville. All right, All right. man. <laughs>
All right. Hope you enjoyed that interview with David Molnar. Again, photographer of the stars, let's call him celebrity photographer. He's just a good dude. He knows how to push the button that makes the pictures turn out pretty. So uh, feel free to stop by his site, davidmolnar.com. Check out what he's up to. Also, the iPhone photography book that we talked about there. You can check that out again, uh, davidmolnar.com. But just great guy, great guy. You know, one of the things I really liked about David and his story and journey, we talked a lot about this, but you know, we look at what he does today. You know, he takes pictures of celebrities. He has a really cool, glamorous, sexy job. But before you take pictures of celebrities, you got to carry sandbags. It's not glamorous. It's not sexy. Nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention to the extra that's just moving sandbags around the set. But that's what it takes in order to get to where you want to go. So whenever we look at the A to Z spectrum, Z is sexy. Z is taking pictures of celebrities. But A is carrying sandbags. You have to start with A. But in order to start with that, you got to identify where are you going? What is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to get out of life? What is it that you want to become? What kind of career do you want to have? So really good stuff there from David. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Again, stop by davidmolnar.com. Check out what he's up to. You can also go to grantbaldwin.com. Check out the links, summary of the show, show notes, all of that jazz. Again, at grantbaldwin.com. Hey, one final reminder I want to give you. We are doing a survey uh, that wraps up this week. In fact, wraps up tomorrow. We'd love to hear from you. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, we'd love to get your two cents. Uh, we want to continually make this podcast as best as it possibly can be. We want to make sure it's a win for you. There's a lot of podcasts that you could listen to, and your time is limited. So how can we make this as best as it possibly can to make sure it's a win for you? So we'd love to hear from you. You can go to grandbaldoncom slash survey. It's a very short survey. I promise you it'll take no more than a couple minutes. And then we're also going to be giving away a Amazon gift card. So you will be registered to win that gift card just by filling out the survey. So if you do that, that would really help us out a lot. Really means a lot. We really appreciate it. You can again go to grantbaldwin.com slash survey. Hey, also, if you haven't, uh, make sure you subscribe to the show. You can do that within iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. Wherever you're listening to this right now, there's a subscribe button and you can push that. That way you never miss out on any episodes and when they come out. If you haven't also left any feedback or ratings for the show, we'd love for you to do that. You can go to grantbaldwin.com slash iTunes and check that out. Here's one we got recently from J.C. Simmons. It says, best thing to listen to as you sit in your office, wishing you'd never accepted this job in the first place. Entertaining, inspiring, motivating. The impetus for finding new avenues and happier employment. So good stuff. I was talking to another friend recently, and I said they were telling me uh, about our show and saying, I have a problem whenever I listen to your show because every time I listen to your show, it makes me want to go in and quit my job. And I think that's a good thing. I, I don't want you to quit your job right away, but I, hopefully this is helping you to realize that there's more to life than just doing a job that you hate. There's more to life than just punching the clock. There's more to life than just collecting a paycheck. You can do work that you actually genuinely really, really love, and we hope we can help you on that journey. Feel free to email me anytime. Grant, grantbaldwin.com. Hit me up on Twitter or online at Grant Baldwin. Let me know what I can do to support you as you go on your own journey or quest to find and do work you love. All right, my friends, that wraps up this episode. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.